there are there are certain special qualities to meeting together on Zoom. Like we have a Zoom minion, and um, usually, you know, sometimes there's background noise. You know, when people are on Zoom, they don't realize that they're projecting. Here you go. There's an example. Um, <laughs> so um, I, before Shemun Esrei, we I used to say, you know, before Shemun Esrei, we're going to put everybody on mute. And someone suggested that would be a great idea if, like, when we're back in shul, before the repetition of the Shemun Esrei, I would just make an announcement, I'm going to put everybody on mute. <laughs> would it be only so simple? Now, the other thing is that this is great. I'm giving a drusha, and whenever you want, you can put me on mute. So, we're here for as long as, uh, as, long as you don't. And I wanted to, uh, to share with you a few words, a few words of Torah. L'Kavet Shabbos, we're not together on Shabbos. Uh, before Pesach and the Yom we had many opportunities to talk and to get together. And we have now as well. And tonight I wanted to share with you some thoughts for Shabbos. Share with you th- some thoughts for Shabbos. Share with you some thoughts for uh, the period of time that we're in meaning in terms of Sfirasa Omer, the period of time of counting of the Omer, of anticipating Shavuos. And of course, whenever we talk and whenever we learn these days, we're also sharing words in terms of the time that we are in, the unique, the unique period of history, something none of us have ever experienced in our lives, you know, anything like this, you know, to, to share some thoughts about this, about this as well. You know, in this in this context, this week's parsha, parshios, double parsha, davening is going to be really long this Shabbos, but this week's double uh, double parsha is parshas Tazria Mitzora. Tazria Mitzora is a double parsha with with many deep and ar- what we would consider to some degree complex arcane halachos. The first small section deals with the impurity which comes upon a person, a woman, when she gives birth to a child. And subsequently, much of Parshas Tazria and then much of Parshas Mitzorah deals with the laws that surround the Mitzorah. The Mitzorah who is a leper, who becomes leprous, and he becomes leprous, as Chazal teach us, as a result of speaking negatively speaking negatively of others. The biblical mitzoras, the most visible and known mitzorah, was Miriam Hanavia, when she spoke together with Aaron against Moshe. And she became a mitzoras. She, she, she got leprosy then at that time as a result. The tuma, the impurity of tzoras, as you know, as we know, has all kinds of consequences besides the discomfort of the illness or the plague of the Taras itself, we have the result that the person has to be isolated. They have to be isolated from family, from community. Bodod yeshev, michutz He should sit alone. Outside of the camp is his dwelling place. Bodod yeshev. You know, the Jewish people are sometimes called Badad, Hein Am Levadad Yishkon, they are a nation that dwells alone. 
in the modern Hebrew, Hebrew vernacular, the isolation that has been talked about a little bit, as we all know, over the past uh, six weeks or so, is bididut, right? this, this term, bodad yeshev, he must stay alone. What makes a person stay alone? What makes a person become isolated? What we're taught is, you know, the lashon. Earlier this week, I had a chance to learn together with many of the women of the community, and we talked about the language. The power of speech is a power of connection. And the opposite, when speech is used in the negative way, it becomes the most isolating force, the most isolating of forces. I want to continue that discussion a bit, or talk, talk more about this idea, and to add one bit of framing for starters. And that bit of framing is that we understand that if we're trying to create togetherness and try to, try to create unity, that's the very opposite of the Lashon Harav, separation of the Mitzorah. And we know that we're going through these days of Sphira. Tonight is the 15th day of the Omer, Rosh Chodesh Iyar. We're counting towards Har Sinai. And at Har Sinai, our sages famously commented, Vayichan Sham Yisrael Neged Ahar, the verse says that the Jewish people encamped there, and it speaks of us in the singular, Ki Echad Echad, like one man with one heart. To stand to Har Sinai, to stand at Har Sinai means to stand together. The Jewish people could only achieve Har Sinai, could only achieve the giving of the Torah when we bound together like one. And if we're going to see a continuum of us being in Mitzrayim and being redeemed and going from there to Matan Torah, to getting the Torah at Har Sinai, it's easy to draw it because there's a verse in the Chumash. There's a Pasuk in the Chumash. When Moshe Rabbeinu was originally charged with the mission of taking the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. We all remember he was standing there at the burning bush. And Hashem came to him and he, <clears throat> he gave him the mission. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, Who am I that I should take, uh, that I should go to Paro? And I should take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. Vayomer and Hashem said, Ki imach, because I will be with you. This is the sign when you take that I have sent you, when you take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim, you will worship God on this mountain. Rashi explains that when the question was asked, when the question was asked, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, Who am I that I should go to Paro? and that I should take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. So Rashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu's question was, why am I significant? Why am I significant to speak to the kings? Even if I'm significant, what did the Jewish people deserve, do to deserve a miracle that I should take them out of Mitzrayim? Why do the Jewish people deserve it? Based on what? Would I, be, would I be taking the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim? And Hashem's answer is, because when you take the people out of Mitzrayim, they'll serve Hashem, they'll serve Hashem, they'll serve God on this mountain. It was at Sinai that this was occurring. 
It was the fact that the Jewish people would receive the Torah that would be their merit. But if you think about it a little bit more beyond the surface of this give and take of Rashi, we remember a Rashi earlier in Parsha Shmos. The Rashi earlier in Parsha Shmos has Moshe Rabbeinu explaining to himself why the Jewish people didn't deserve to be taken out of Mitzrayim. Remember that? He came out of Paro's house the first day and he saves the Jew from the hands of the Egyptian. He comes out of Paro's house the second day and a Jew is fighting with a Jew. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know, why are you doing this? Wicked person, why are you beating up on, on your fellow man, on your friend? And the, 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 the Jew responds and he says, Oh, who made you the judge? Are you planning to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, Behold, the matter is known. What was Moshe Rabbeinu saying? So Rashi explained to us there. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I don't understand why the Jewish people were stuck in Golos. Moshe Rabbeinu knew he was a Jew. He came out of Paro's palace. He hadn't been part of the Jewish people. Why the Jewish people? Why are my people suffering so much? And now he had his answer. His answer was because the Jewish people spoke negatively. They told stories about each other. The story of what Moshe Rabbeinu had done, which was really a heroic act, a wonderful act, was told, repeated, and repeated as a negative thing. You're going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian. Moshe Rabbeinu, says Rashi, said, now I know why the Jewish people are in Golos, because they have Dilturin, and they have people who speak negatively about each other. Distancing by the word. And then, when Moshe Rabbeinu stands at the burning bush, he's in Midian, he had to leave Mitzrayim, he had to run away from his people and from his adoptive land because people had spoken negatively against him. And Hashem comes to him at the burning bush and he says, Moshe, I want to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. And now Moshe Rabbeinu has the opposite question of what he had originally. When he left Paro's house, his question was, why do the Jewish people deserve all this difficulty? I don't understand why they're suffering so much. But now, when he's banished from Paro's house, from from Mitzrayim, because of the tattling of the Jews, now... Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem comes to him and says, I want to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. And you know what Moshe Rabbeinu's question is? Why? Why are you taking them out? What do they deserve to be taken out for? The shoe is on the other foot, the wrong foot. And Hashem answers, and he says, because they're going to stand at this mountain. And what that means, perhaps, is because when we came to the mountain, we came as one person with one heart. And Hashem said, it's true, they fight. They're fighting in the Golos. But I know now and I sense now that the Jewish people could be on a path to being like one man with one heart. That instead of being the ones who are tattling, who are saying negative things about each other, now I know the path back. I see the path back because those people will be and the pathway from Mitzrayim to Sinai is the pathway from, of using the language negatively to coming together, to staying together, to standing together. 
you have to understand that I don't want to spend a tremendous amount of time elaborating on the, on the broader context of the Torah ideas beyond this. There are so, there's so, so much, so, so many. I'll share with you just a little, a little bit more and then maybe speak a little bit the language of the realities of our life and of our, of and of our situation. And that is that, you know, the first being that ever spoke Lashon Hara, who was that? According to Chazal, it was the snake in Gan Eden. The snake is called the Bal Halashon, the one of the tongue. The snake was the one who said, oh, God doesn't want you to have that good stuff that's there on the tree. The snake was the one that introduced that language of division between people and distrust even between man and God, between men and, and, and others. Harsinai is the place of restoration, the restoration to the way it was before the sin. We know when we stood at Harsinai, we, we were restored to immortality. We were restored as if we hadn't eaten from the tree of death, as if we hadn't eaten from the Eitz Hadas, which means that we were not having the division and the distrust that the eating from the Eitz Hadas brought. That there wasn't that negative language, that we were together. This is the foundation of our Sinai. This is the, the, the basis, the destination. When we are redeemed from Mitzrayim, it's all about that. It's all about the restoration of trust, of unity, of connection, of people to one another. It's about coming together and then the challenge of staying together. Staying together. We couldn't stay together in Gan Eden. And you know what happened? How did we backtrack off of Harsinai? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Just think about it. At Harsinai, we stood like one man with one heart. When we brought the golden calf, what did we say? What did Aaron say? He said, Ela Elohecha Yisrael, these are your gods, Israel, that took you out of Mitzrayim. And Rashi, what do you mean, Ela, these? There's one golden calf. Zeh, this, not these. So what does Rashi write? What the sages say? What it says in the Gemara? Oh, they wanted many different gods. You know, if there would be one thing that a people rallies around, it would be their God, their faith. We join together. We say aloud, Shema Yisrael Hashem Aleikeinu Hashem Echad. God is one. And at Mincha, every Shabbos, we say, Hashem, you are one, your name is one, and the Jewish people are one. Who are like the Jewish people, a single nation in the land. Our faith in the one God bonds us together as one people. When we fell apart, we came together, but we didn't stay together. We sought many gods. They desired many, many gods. The Jewish people had nothing to bind them together. We need to be bound together. We need to be bound together. I want to share with you, you know, I was trying to, to think about what to do in speaking with you. Um, I was thinking that maybe tonight I would be giving like a, a goodbye talk in a certain sense. There's no goodbye. I'm at 6707 Western Run. I'm planning to live here, Bezus Hashem, until we all go together to Yerushalayim, Irakaydish Bimhera Viameno. I'm supposed to be commuting a little bit. 
I already have a joke planned for my wife for May 15th. Don't tell her. The joke is as follows. I'm supposed to start this new job on May 1st. The joke is on May 15th, I'm going to say, Mindy, this commute is not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, we're here, Baruch Hashem. We're here, Corona, we're here, and we're at Mirz Hashem. We're going to be together. I hope to continue to be part of the family, Bezas Hashem, that is our shul and our community, Mirz Hashem, always. Uh, but uh, this Shabbos uh, is, is my last Shabbos uh, as the active rabbi of the shul. Um, I'm getting some Latin title, I think, afterwards, like uh, Rabbi Pluribus Unum or something. No, 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 Rabbi Emeritus or something like that afterwards. Um, but um, but um, so I, I thought, I don't know, maybe I should have like a little goodbye talk tonight. And I postponed it. I think I'll do it on Sunday night. No sense rushing into anything. Um, but I, I, I want to talk to you tonight about something that I've been focusing on a lot, extensively, over the past uh, couple of weeks. As you know, you know, during this period of transition, I'm really sort of been been working two jobs, and uh, given the situation of Corona and the effect on the community, I have felt a special obligation to 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 be working and trying to help get things into gear and. And, you know, working with uh, the remarkable people that I already have the privilege of working with at the Orthodox Union in terms of Klal Yisrael. And um, there's something that I've been thinking about and trying to strategize for. And in that process, have learned something extremely, extremely valuable. It's something which we knew already. It's not new. But it, to me, it came home it has come home in a very pronounced way. You see, I'm trying to, we're trying to anticipate, we've, we're all going through this tremendous, tremendous upheaval. And of course, Rahman al-Hassan, for some people, the upheaval is more pronounced. There are people, Oaleinu, who are grieving over irreplaceable personal losses, loss of life, loss of dear ones as a result of this plague. There are people who are, who have lost their livelihoods or their jobs uh, and uh, lost value in their, in, of, their, of their, their holdings and so on and so forth. There's all kinds of upheaval, but for anybody, anybody, just this period, this period of isolation, this period of strangeness in the world, uh, People who have been living alone without anyone for a period of time. People who are fortunate not to be living completely alone, but still, this has been so strange. It's upheaval. And we have to worry about bouncing back. We have to think about, not worry about, but we have to think about what's going to put us in a strong place so that Bezos Hashem, we can stay strong through this, and that we will have the resilience as individuals, as families, as a community. That Bezos Hashem, when this thing is past us, when it's behind us, hopefully, hopefully soon, that we'll be able to just regain our balance and be able to go forward, hopefully not the same, hopefully much, much, much better, 
hopefully having learned and incorporated tremendous, tremendous lessons for life from this. But you know, even just resilience to be able to bounce back is not a simple thing. So I was talking to someone who's a very dear friend and a mentor, uh, David Pelkowitz, and I said, Dr. David Pelkowitz, and, and I asked him, I said, you know, if we want to anticipate and try to do things right, we need to understand what are those things that build resilience, that make it much more likely that a person will be able, after experiencing upheaval or trauma, is, will be able to bounce back. You know, there's a science, a, you know, the psychological science of resilience. What are the things that make a person more likely to be strong and to be able to bounce back? A family, a community, what is it? So, what I want to share with you is a repackaged version of that wisdom. And it's really fascinating. And it's us. It's mamish, precisely us, what we focus on as Jewish people, as Jewish people who try to grow. A lot of the research is built on something which is called the Iowa Farm Study. The Iowa Farm Study was uh, done when a, a very prosperous farming community in Iowa suddenly experienced the turnaround, the, the downturn of American farming, and they went bust. And a community went from, from riches to rags very, very quickly. And uh, psychologists, some psychologists, were there to study the community for the next, I think, decades to see how they adjusted and to identify what were the strengths behind those who really did adjust so well, so beautifully. And again, I wanted to still maybe repackage a little bit five points. Point number one that contributes to resilience is familial connection, relationships, strong personal relationships that exist between people. People who have strong relationships have resilience, resilience from upheaval, resilience from trauma. Strong sense of belonging to community. Community creates resilience within people. Number three, modulated reactions to difficulty, to situations, modulated emotional reactions, meaning that when something happens, if Lo Elenu, heaven forbid, a person loses their job, they could react loudly and, 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 and you know, you know lose, lose, lose themselves. A person could be going through, we could be experiencing this uh, story of corona and we could be looking at our updates, what's going on all the time, you know, playing the news loudly, right, all death, all the time, you know, you know, the, the, you know the, these, these terrible stories, this prediction and that prediction. We can do that or we can say, okay, the person experiences the setback, gulp, it's hard, it's difficult, but nachon libo accepts it with balance. Something's going on in the world, they have to be aware, they have to be protective, they have to be careful, but they're not going to obsess in that world. They'll be doing it with measure. So again, number one, connection to family, to connection to community, moderated, 
and modulated emotional responses. Number four, living for something higher than just simple material life. If a person's life is about their house, their car, their salary, those things get attacked, those things get changed, and life has fallen apart. But when life is about higher things, when one has real value, holds real value for something which is higher than the material, value in giving, value in spirituality, value in, value in other things in life, that is an extremely strong predictor for resilience. And the fifth, the last one is emuna, faith, faith in God. When a person is experiencing upheaval, if they feel just like randomly thrown around and they don't see God and they don't see purpose in their life and what's happening and what they're going through, so then they have a hard time dealing with it and they have a hard time bouncing back. But faith gives a person an ability to deal with, to, to be able to absorb these kinds of things in a much different way. Family, community, moderated emotional responses, living for higher values, and faith. Sounds like the kinds of things, you know, like I would say, if you would just go take a random sampling of a, of a serious rabbi's five weeks of speeches. So one week he's going to speak about family and relationships, and the next week he's going to speak to strengthen the people and their sense of community. And the third week he'll tell people, you know, you know, Let's, let's try not to work, to work on our midos, not to get angry, not to, not, not to be tough, but to be, you know, to be steady, steady, calm. And another week he'll talk about higher aspirations. And once in a while he might even talk about faith, about emuna, about belief in God, belief and understanding in God's place in our lives and destiny. These are the tools. And they're the tools we have to work on. And that's what you know, we've been thinking about, or I've been thinking about in that context, trying to encourage and trying to develop, I think all of us, especially in this time when family is completely different, our experience of family is completely different, whether we're locked up with family or we're locked up away from family. But family is completely, completely different. We don't have the distractions of running all over the place. We're with each other. Sometimes it could be hard. Sometimes it can be so, so rich. But if we realize, if we pause and we realize that the thing which is going to be such an amazing predictor of how we're going to get through this, that's going to be such a basis for strength of how we're going to get through this and how we're going to bounce back from it is relationships. That when we feel in a relationship, supported, when we're able to offer support, which of course brings reciprocal support. When we realize, hey, we can get annoyed with each other. But you know what we do when we get annoyed with each other? We're, we're, We're cutting off the legs that we stand on to be able to withstand this. We need each other. We need each other. We need our family. We need our friendships. Community. That's what's going to give the ability to withstand. And the last one is faith. You know what faith is? Faith is the ultimate relationship. The ultimate relationship. 
You know, in Sefer Dvarim, we're told that when a person, lo aleinu, loses a relative, lo siskodeduv lo sasimu karcha Don't tear your skin, don't pull out your hair over a dead person. And the Pasuk goes on, and it says that the, 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 uh, the reason why you shouldn't do that, excuse me, I want to quote to you the Pasuk exactly. Don't express your grief in, uh, in such an extreme way. And then the Pasuk says, excuse me, Bonim atem l'Hashem elokechem. I'm sorry, the Pesach says before, you are children to Hashem, your God. Don't tear your skin, don't pull out your hair over the mace, over the relative. You are children to Hashem. And in, in, in the Svarno, he, he explains that what the Pesach is saying is that the reason why the person would grieve so much would be because they lost this precious relationship. And the Torah says, you're children of Hashem. You lost a relationship. It's a whole, but you have a relationship. Faith is the belief that we have a relationship, that wherever we go, we're connected. That's where strength comes from. Strength comes from connection. The Metzorah uses his tongue to break connection, to harm connection self-destructs outside of the camp, outside of the faith, from Yitzias Mitzrayim to standing at our Sinai, from people speaking against each other to standing together at our Sinai, to realize the incredible power of relationship, of connection, the power of faith, the ultimate and enduring connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We need to use this period of our lives, this period of history, to really become the anti-Mitzayra, to, 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 to learn the value of these connections that we have in our lives, to build them, to nurture them, to realize how much we get from them, and to realize how much we give in them. When we turn around and we offer community, and we offer friendship, and we offer relationship. And when our tefillah, when our prayer, is not just considered good when we get through it, it's not just considered good when we concentrate on it, but it's considered good when prayer produces in us strength. Strength. Because we feel, wow, wow, I have this, this God who watches, who cares, who listens, who walks me through my life, when tefillah does that, when it produces the resilience which faith is supposed to produce, oh, if we could only dedicate ourselves in this time, as we're davening differently, davening alone, davening at home, difficult and also an opportunity, an opportunity for us to find something through tefillah, 
to find that connection, to realize the importance of connection. That's what I wanted to share with you tonight. I think that this time, this season, we have to look at ourselves and realize that the Jewish people are only the Jewish people, like one man with one heart. And it's big and grand to think about it in terms of connecting Jews from all parts of the spectrum, the spectrum of orthodoxy, the spectrum of Judaism. How can we stand together like one man with one heart? It's a good question, it's a good problem, but maybe what Hashem did when He locked us into our houses, where we can only reach out to the ones who are in the house, or pick up the phone to people who we know, whose numbers we know, who we have a connection with, we're not, not to the world, is to say, you know what? Let's worry first about building a real connection with the people who are right in front of our noses, with the people who are closest to us. That's where the action is. That's where our work is cut out for us are davening alone to understand that's a ridiculous statement. How does a person daven alone? You can't daven alone. No Jew ever davens alone. You know why? You're talking to God. You're not alone. The whole notion of davening is that you're never, ever alone. And the strength that we have, the source of resilience for anything and everything is that not being alone. Family, friendship, relationship, community, faith. That's what I want to share with you. I'm not, as I said to you at the beginning, despite the fact that this is our, my, my quote-unquote Shabbos drasha for this week, and if the world was normal, this would have been like a farewell, farewell drasha. I'm postponing it until Sunday. And then an postpone it again. I don't know. We'll kick it down the road. I don't know. We'll have a chance to do it together. But you know that what, uh, what we mean to each other and what our house on Park Heights Avenue, just south of Clark's Lane, means to us is a place where we've expanded a little bit, our family, a place where when we walk in there and we turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we feel like we're not praying alone, like Hashem's there in the room. It's the source of our strength. It will always be the source. The, always be the source and basis for any strength which, uh, which, uh, which I feel and I have to, uh, to be able to, to do anything. And uh, I hope, as with Hashem, to continue to draw from that strength with live and constant renewals of that strength. As Rabbi Rose, who's such a part of our family for all these years, and now Bezos Hashem is stepping forward to lead our family, will continue exactly the same spirit, exactly the same values, and only take it, Bezos Hashem, upward to the next level. May we be zeich abezuz Hashem to be together, to gain strength from each other. And uh, a good Shabbos and a guten Chodesh. A guten Chodesh. May this month, Yechadshehu HaKadosh Baruch Hu Aleinu, Hashem should renew it for us. L'sasayin u'lesimcha, l'chaim u'lesholayim, l'yishua u'lenachama. 
for rejoicing, for joy, for life, for peace, for salvation, and for comfort. B'naimah Ramein. We're going to continue with Musaf. Maybe not. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. Amen.